we interrupt this program with a message from our sponsor. Love. If you want it, you can have it. And not compromise, stifling, soul-killing love, but open, honest, life-affirming love. But how do you get it? How do you get this love? By spending $14.99. For this low, low price, you get a workbook, audio tape, and most importantly, a chance at love. Cassette player not included. It's going to take work. It's going to take introspection. But our love guide, workbook, and accompanying tape will walk you through the process to finding the love that you deserve. For listeners of Talking Fast, we have a special offer. When you go to your local bookstore and furtively purchase our book, Facing the Cashier with Embarrassment, tell them that Talking Fast sent you, and you'll receive an extra workbook to give to the person in your life who's most suffering without love, like your hapless best friend or your moody nephew. Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. This week, we are recapping Gilmore Girls season four, episode 20, called Luke Can See Her Face. The Netflix bio for this episode is, a self-help tape helps a depressed Luke realize who his soulmate is. Lorelai is stressed as the Dragonfly Inn's opening day approaches. Dun, dun, dun. We are there. (laughs) And we are recording this on Valentine's Day, although it will air a week later. And I felt like this was a perfect episode because it's all about love. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even make that connection. Mm -hmm. Well, let's get into our first segment, which is going to be going through a review that we've gotten. Um, This one is... Titled Talking Fast is Fabulous by Hazel F22. My niece's name is Hazel. I love that name. It's a really cute name. Yeah. <laughs> and they say, What a fun podcast and clever title. It was so fun to participate in Gilmore Girls March Madness, which is far superior than the basketball one, if we're being honest. Sparkle emoji, coffee cup emoji. And Thank you. That's a great segue into March Madness is coming up. Mm hmm. <laughs> The basketball one, and more importantly, the Gilmore Girls March Madness. We are so excited. We've begun preparation already, and it was a blast last year, as Hazel mentioned, Mm -hmm. and we are really looking forward to bringing it. It's going to be all of the characters again with different matchups so we can see if somebody else wins this year. Mm -hmm. In future years, we might do things like ranking episodes, different things like that, but we thought you know, replicate something that worked well again this year. (laughs) Uh, So yeah. And also, as always, feel free to leave us reviews on Apple or Spotify through email, so on and so forth. And we can read your review. You'll be featured in the podcast forever on the record. It's a great honor. (laughs) Yeah. The internet is forever. So Mm -hmm. wait, 15 minutes of fame. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so what were your initial thoughts for this episode? I loved it. It was so fun to watch. <laughs> and like, we've been building up to this, you know, like every at the end of every episode, we're like, oh, we're almost there, like the end of season four. And it just felt so like momentous. And it was just a delight to watch. It felt so like big to me. And I have so much to talk about. Yeah. yeah. How about you? Same. I loved it. I have pretty much no complaints about this episode. 
I mean, I did find a Friday night dinner in there, <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's great. It's like our first like episode that is basically all Luke, I think. Yeah. He's got the main storyline. Yeah. But it's like, I don't know, it's just so satisfying to finally see kind of from his point of view, like the camera's on him when he asks Lorelai to the, like on his shoulder when he asks her to the wedding and to like yeah. see her reaction and everything. It's just like, it's wonderful. <laughs> finally. Slow burn. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so good. <sighs> yeah. Okay. But before we get into our slow talk for the slow burn, if you will, uh, we're going to do some fast talking and recap the episode in 30 seconds. It is Suzanne's turn this week. I will pull up okay. my timer. I am prepared. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. I feel like there was a lot of scenes oh, yeah. in the episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. On your mark, get set go so we start with Lorelai being stressed about being single and also about the in opening there's all sorts of stuff to remember um meanwhile we also get some stuff with Rory and Paris and Asher having almost a heart attack um but the main juice of the episode is Luke gets a self-help book to help him realize his love for Lorelai and he also finds out that Liz and TJ are going to get married and he convinces Jess to come to the wedding and then he asks Lorelai out to the wedding. And there yeah. you go. 30 Just seconds. <laughs> skimmed over. Skimmed over a lot. <laughs> no, I think that was oh, really good. The zucchini though. patch. Yeah, the <laughs> zucchini patch sleeping with the zucchini. I don't know if there's much else in terms of broad strokes. There's a fight at the bachelor party oh I yeah yeah like luke goes to new york to get jess to come like some stuff like that but yeah um we'll get into that now slowly <laughs> cool i actually have my friday night dinner in the opening the cold open <laughs> oh just get it right out of the way yeah. <laughs> so we open with lorelei opening her front door and seeing a cat on the porch Mm -hmm. She picks up the newspaper and goes and calls Rory and she's like, they know, the cats know I'm <laughs> single, that I'm going to be a crazy cat lady. And that is my Friday night dinner. As everybody knows, I am a crazy cat lady, but yeah. I feel like we need to destigmatize being a woman or femme presenting person and having cats. This does yeah. not make you lame <laughs> or this does not make you... Uh, undesirable or lonely I have three cats I could never be lonely I can't even go to the bathroom alone so <laughs> what, what do you have to say about that Lorelai um yeah but also those cats looked really cuddly and I just I I don't know why I want I kind of want to know what the origin of the like spinster woman with the cat thing was but mm -hmm. it's ridiculous I feel like the it's kind of changed. Cats are, especially after the pandemic, people are more like willing to admit that they love cats. Yeah. But I also wanted to know if the reason that a cat lady is such and a spinster is because men don't like cats. That's a huge red flag, I think. Mm. Men not liking mm -hmm. cats or not admitting that they like cats. You know, I just, yeah, it's a lot. I lie. know. Yeah. I... There must be, like, a history of the trope of, like, the crazy cat lady yeah. or something. Like, I'm sure I would like to learn more about it, too, because it, like, Lorelai's whole thing is that if she is this cat lady, like, it's a different stage of her life now and she's, like, mm -hmm. no longer desirable or something like that. 
Also, like, there's there's no shame in having an animal companion. It doesn't mean you'll never have a human companion if you want one. And there's also no shame in not having a human companion. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I, yeah, I think it's, like, the spinster figure is, like... N- like there's this person who didn't like fulfill the destiny that mm-hmm. you're supposed to do and like the prize of like the um like the nuclear family and people just can't imagine outside of that like someone alone with full freedom to do whatever they want like they couldn't possibly mm-hmm. be happy right and yeah. those cats can't possibly <laughs> just be good companions and that kind of thing um i f- i find it ironic that the show is writing this because I'm almost certain plenty of people like I could have seen Amy Sherman Palladino being a a cat lady like um I just maybe Lorelai also I think maybe part of this Lorelai I think is a dog person yeah you know that's true so I think she's a little prejudiced against cats here for a variety of reasons and Finally, I also think those cats were great actors. We've seen they some were. good dog <laughs> acting in this season, and now I'm glad to have seen some cat acting. <laughs> yeah, they just sat so still and stared at her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My cats only do that when I have treats in my hands. <laughs> <laughs> but I did really enjoy this cold open um, mm-hmm. and like the way that it's kind of serving to remind us that oh yeah Lorelai she says apparently that she broke up with Jason yeah we didn't it seemed more open and ambiguous at the end of last episode but here it seems quite final and Roy is trying to like talk her down from her paranoia about being a cat lady and in general it just kind of conveys Lorelai's general sense of distress right now (laughs) which we see in the next scene which is the middle of the night like it isn't only about Jason and her singledom but also about the inn um opening and she's like making all of these to-do lists to like the inn's voicemail which like just uh, okay like I feel like this show uses voicemail a lot actually and I'm like you could write it down but I mean she does have a written down list later but um this is just funny because later we'll see Michelle is the one who <laughs> listens to all of these yeah. lists in the end. Um, but yeah, so she's just about that. And she makes her way to Luke's at like 5 a.m. because she's not sleeping. And she's already drunk all the coffee in her house, apparently. And like already, like this is an episode about like Luke and love and Lorelai and whatnot. And it's already with like such a cute scene here where he like physically helps her stand up by like picking her up from the armpits and like helping her stand up and she's like delirious practically and he's like insisting she eats some oatmeal and all of this stuff and then it it ends with another like fun little (laughs) um kirk element here like there's not too much town stuff in this episode but um like i think this is the only time we see kirk in the episode Mm -hmm. and it is about him wanting the table where Lorelai is sitting at and he's like why else would I be here this early (laughs) so Lorelai moves for him and then he's like oh but the table here has a nice light that she moved to so a good a good bit of humor there and um speaking of like tropes and things that just aren't true there's also a line about how Kirk has um not much going on in his life when Lulu is working. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that's just the continued like 
Kirk not having a lot going on in his life. Yeah. It's just not true. Like, he has so many if jobs. anything, <laughs> if yeah, I'm like, if anything, he's working constantly. Yeah. So, um, I'm like, Kirk, don't buy into that myth about yourself. You know, know, you have a lot going on. Have some self confidence. <laughs> I wonder what his planner looks like. How he keeps track of all his jobs. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. I. I liked this as well we also get a little bit of luke like throughout the episode and it starts here encouraging lorelei saying that she can do it when she's stressed out and everything Mm -hmm. so it's just they're just i don't know he's just so supportive of her yeah he even shows up vibing yeah he shows up for into her later actually that's the next scene we're at the inn and michelle is sitting on the ground listening to all those messages He's pretty angry about it. They don't have a front desk yet, so he has nowhere to sit. Um, But then Luke arrives because Lorelai had asked him to come and see the inn. So he's here kind of for a tour, taking some time off from his morning lull, I guess. We have, I thought it was a continuation of the uh, joke from Rory's graduation where Jackson and Luke are like commenting on the architecture and everything of <laughs> oh, <yeah. Chilton. laughs> because Luke comes in here and he starts commenting on the banister that Tom has made and Tom is pretty prickly about this he immediately says that uh or basically calls Luke an amateur and tells <laughs> tells him not to give give advice to the professionals uh in a curmudgeonly way which is very funny yeah I thought it was fun that um, Tom says don't kibitz, I think is what he says, right? Which is like a Yiddish, I think, slang word or just word Mm -hmm. that um, is about like offering unwelcome advice or something like that. Um, So I like the like little, always like the bits of like Jewish culture that are Mm -hmm. like popping in and out of Gilmore Girls that you see more full on in Maisel, of course. Yeah. But yeah, it was really a humorous exchange between Luke and Tom there. And Tom was probably stressed too. So like, I don't blame him for being prickly at all. (laughs) And we rarely ever get somebody more grumpy than Luke is. So it was funny. (laughs) Um, But then Lorelai takes him into the kitchen and uh, Suki introduces... Suki? Suki. Suki introduces (laughs) Lorelai to... (laughs) The new poultry supplier. I completely forgot his name. Sal or something Sal's like that. Man or something. Yeah. Shell. Okay. Yeah. And she is apparently trying to match make for Lorelai. Uh, <laughs> like her and Jason broke up like yesterday. Yeah, exactly. Matchmaking is a little uncalled for. <laughs> and this guy, like, he does not seem like a match for Lorelai. Um, no. But Lorelai, interestingly takes advantage of Luke being in the kitchen looking at like the fancy stove and stuff and pretends that Luke is her special person (laughs) Mm -hmm. and they have a very awkward like she gets him to put his arm around her and they're both just standing there super awkwardly uh and the poor poultry guy leaves (laughs) thankfully (laughs) yeah and then then Lorelai and Luke pretend to not like touching each other which we obviously know is wrong <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but I thought it was just cute like as uh the beginning of Luke's trajectory in this whole episode is him like being used as a prop boyfriend for Lorelai it was cute yeah I love the prop boyfriend bit that you'll see in romance like mm-hmm. 
even within this very show, later on, Logan does that for Rory when she's at the um, party of all the men and yeah. stuff. You know, it's always just a fun thing. So yeah. <laughs> it and it just offers such good dramatic irony here for those of us who have seen the show, you know, because we're like mm-hmm. within a very short time frame, you will be together and this will be real. And like their their conversation following this interaction when they're alone again is like just I don't know it's so ironic because they're like bemoaning how they're both single and all of that kind of stuff and I think that's like this conversation is part of why Luke goes to get like his self-help book Mm -hmm. in a scene from now because he's like oh I'm so single like how can I fix this and all this stuff and yeah we'll see how it goes for them it goes pretty well all things considered (laughs) Yeah, with a few bumps in the road. Yeah, yeah. But before Um, we get to that more fun relationship stuff, we have a bit more of the toxic relationship stuff with Paris and Asher in our next scene. Before that, we get a glimpse at the class that Asher is holding, and this was my Rory's bookshelf. Um, Did you nominate it for anything? No, I didn't, but I definitely yeah. wanted to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I'm always, like, really fascinated by the way Gilmore Girls chooses to, like, portray college, you know? Mm-hmm. And to be fair, like, their writers, like, whenever they choose to, like, show a college class, like, they have to kind of just make up, like, they almost have to lesson plan, you know? And yeah. they probably have a lot of other things to do. So I was like, what did they do here? Uh, what was their, like, best effort and all? And I was, like... I kept pausing to see the chalkboard because I noticed it had so much written on it and it just has random phrases like it says um reflect on modernity evaluating the (laughs) assumption philosophical systems human nature and then like in the middle of the board circled the time has come (laughs) and (laughs) um there's like some other stuff that I couldn't quite capture and also like I noticed they all have this like bright red textbook that's like really bulky Mm -hmm. and I like kept trying to find the title of it too and it seems to just say contemporary political fiction so it's probably like an anthology or something but I like googled it I don't know if it's even a real anthology like it might just be a prop that they made um so it's just funny to like observe all of the little pieces of the Mm -hmm. class that they're making and the like conversation the dialogue that we kind of come in mid conversation so it's hard to know like what they're even talking about in the first place but Asher is kind of having this back and forth with a student who's kind of like pushing against him Asher's talking about like political writing and the student seems to be talking about propaganda and how like is it similar or different from like a political novel something like that and Asher says propaganda reinforces what that person wishes to be told and I was just kind of confused by that because I would like I feel like propaganda is more about like what the writer wants to either like persuade you or communicate to you like mm-hmm. I don't know they were just kind of having like a more like abstract conversation yeah. about literature which doesn't always go anywhere like in a classroom like that like as you can see at the end Asher's just like oh whatever like how could I expect something logical from you use or I don't know it's just like (laughs) well if you'd actually been looking at the text and like talking about the text maybe you could have like 
been somewhere you know having a productive conversation um but yeah that's a whole lot just to say um the the representation with its strengths and weaknesses I think of college is my uh Rory's Mm -hmm. bookshelf here (laughs) what were you thinking about with it (laughs) I was just really interested in his conversation about propaganda versus political Mm -hmm. writing I do agree with his definition of propaganda but I also see agree with your definition of propaganda Mm. I think like propaganda is meant to feed a vicious cycle of somebody Mm. wants to believe something but first they're probably fed that belief as a an ideal and then goes back and forth like yeah yeah. I just keep thinking about the current state of things with like the the rhetoric around the uh Israeli uh genocide of palestinians Mm -hmm. and how everybody every especially with social media and algorithms were fed propaganda that reinforces the belief we already had um so if you are like pro-palestine you're going to see a lot more uh information coming out of palestine than you would if you were pro-israel and vice versa Mm -hmm. so it's good to like you obviously it's 100% okay to have a side (laughs) I think that's actually Mm -hmm. a good thing in this case um but you still have to like realize that a lot of what you're getting is just to reinforce a belief you already have and you might be missing out on a lot of other information I think that's Mm -hmm. what propaganda does versus political writing which is kind of it's trying to convince somebody of your political belief but I don't Mm -hmm. think that you can say that political writing is not propaganda all the time (laughs) or that propaganda is not political writing so yeah I just was really interested in this debate and I was like which of the writers was reading some specific book (laughs) and was like this is what we're gonna give him to talk about uh but yeah I I didn't like his demeaning of the students who were actually trying to engage in a debate just to end the class too he's like oh whatever Plus, I'm also like, well, aren't you reading fiction? Like, yeah, that's, that's a difference. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. So college. <sighs> yeah. Oh, very how interesting. Fun. Yeah. But the the scene ends with Paris arriving and Rory has a great comment about how Paris is using her as her beard, <laughs> which is yeah. like typically, you know, that's to help a gay person appear straight you know for appearances but this is to make Paris be able to hide her relationship with Asher Mm -hmm. which is I don't know even worse (laughs) um, but she has the news that she has been asked to go to Oxford with Asher Mm -hmm. over the summer so she's feeling optimistic about everything and I have to say if there's any reason to be with Asher to get to go on a summer-long trip to Oxford, mm-hmm. I, that could be worth it. That's using your power to get something good for yourself. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I. But still. <laughs> I don't know if I'd want to do what you have to do to get that, but I would like yeah, to go to it's Oxford a, it'd be a this choice. summer. Like, if, you, if you can make the choice, that's yeah. your choice. Like, it should be a free choice, and mm-hmm. you can say yes or no. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, I would... I, I would love that yeah so yeah. scholarly <laughs> yeah more on that later <laughs> yeah our next scene is at the bookstore which we haven't been to for a while and I am really 
convinced that Luke Googled some things beforehand, even though this was the <laughs> early days. Yeah. Of, well, I guess not really early days, but he obviously like asked Jeeve, asked, ask Jeeve, asked Jeeve, whatever. <laughs> That old search engine. He quested the location. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, To get the title of this book, because he is, like, in there. He knows what he's looking for. Mm -hmm. And he goes up to pay, refuses to let Andrew see the book, and just gives him $100, which is, like, wow, couldn't you just give me $100? Um, Yeah. Especially in a bookstore. That'd be nice. Mm -hmm. But... It was also funny to me that he was buying this book for $14.99 that came with the workbook and cassette. And these days, if you were to buy something like that, it'd be about $40, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it would just be a digital download. Yeah, like, it wouldn't true. even be a physical thing. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, he leaves with this book and then he goes back upstairs to his apartment and he puts in the cassette into the cassette player very old school and Mm -hmm. it like explodes love (laughs) i loved it because he's trying to be so secretive like even within his own apartment he's like Mm -hmm. practically like looking around to make sure no one's there he like is hiding from everything and then it's so loud and funny (laughs) yeah and it ends up that this is a self-help book about allowing yourself to find love kind of Mm -hmm. uh so super out of character for Luke, but sometimes you got to do something out of character to get to where you want to be. And he's doing that. So I like as this was happening, I was like thinking, you know, what finally got him to make this move, you know, mm-hmm. to like step out of his comfort zone. And he's so like uncomfortable and judgmental of the tape like the entire time <laughs> until he has his an epiphany. So it's kind of like, why is he doing this and like mm-hmm. why now and um I don't and a part of me is like well maybe it's finally like d- the divorce from Nicole and like all of the drama that unfolded at the end and then because for like a while I feel like we've kind of been wondering like what's going on with Luke you know like where's his head at like mm-hmm. what's going on with him and Nicole like we we're, we've kind of been in the dark about a lot of that and it's only recently that we got like we see how hurt he was by him, her cheating. We see like how he kind of accepted it when he was fine with the divorce. And now we get like finally an episode like from his perspective more, like you said. So I feel like we're fine. They're finally kind of like letting us know where Luke's yeah. at. And it's like a, a turning point, a breaking point. I think turning point is more um, yeah. optimistic and it's like for the better. So like it is funny to see him making this change, but also see how reluctant he is still <laughs> at this point. Such a grump. Um, yeah, such a grump. But, like, I'm yeah. so glad that he turned to, like, like I think the the self-help genre is not, like, completely a good thing, mm-hmm. like, necessarily. It can be very much, like, like capitalism anything, just people trying mm-hmm. to, like, sell you books and, like, solve your problems in a hundred steps. Like, it can be very fake, you know? But I think there's also, like, good exceptions and it's something like this like this is genuinely gonna really help Luke and it's like uh 14.99 is like a pretty affordable way to get therapy you know like Mm -hmm. that's essentially partially kind of what this is of like reflection and introspection and stuff so I don't know I just really like the storyline of the self-help book and stuff (laughs) yeah I agree it's yeah we have never seen Luke really 
be introspective before. So it's nice that he is taking a tool to you to do it. I also thought another like impetus to this was probably mm. Lorelai saying that she and Jason had broken up. Oh. And like maybe because we I mean, we kind of we pretty much at this point know that Luke has been pining for Lorelai, even though we don't get those words until later. Yeah. Um, But like the timing's always been off. And maybe mm-hmm. he was like, wait, I just I just broke up with Nicole. She just broke up with Jason. We're both <laughs> yeah. single. The time is now. Mm. Maybe that's the what the whiteboard was saying. <laughs> the time is now. In Asher's I love class. that. Yeah, um, it's all connected. But, yeah. Yeah, I love it. I did like in that earlier conversation when they were talking about how she went through a breakup. Um, like I got the reminder that like Lorelai never told Luke about Jason at all. Yeah, and that's true. yet Luke was like, I kind of assumed you were dating someone because you never dress weather appropriate. And I thought that was such a, a good line. And I think it's also kind of like a fun cover up for like why the characters aren't always dressed appropriately for the weather. You know, it's like, oh, it's because, you know, they're in relationships. Like yeah. they're dressing sexy. It's not that we're in California and it's really hot when it's supposed to be winter on the show. Yeah, true. <laughs> like that's a good cover. Yeah. I'm going to write down the time is now for a title for the episode. Mm, The time is now. (laughs) (laughs) So after this, we go back to the inn for a really short scene where we see Dean again. (laughs) Dean. (laughs) He's just so annoying. (laughs) He's Uh hanging pictures. Lorelai and Suki are watching him. He says he'll fix something and they're like being all doe-eyed about it. Oh, you're a superhero. You can yeah. fix the wire on the back of a frame. Like, of course he can. Couldn't anyone? Like, <laughs> yeah, he's like he's working for a contractor. Obviously, he can. But mm-hmm. then they overhear Lindsay. I guess has shown up, and they overhear him and Lindsay fighting. And Lindsay wants him to go out with her and friends that night. And he's like, "No, I picked up extra shifts uh, so that we can afford all the things that you want." And they're just like fighting back and forth about this. Obviously, both on very different pages with very different mm-hmm. expectations for their relationship. And Lorelai and Suki are just like standing there watching. <laughs> Eavesdropping. I yeah. can relate to that. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Especially if they're yelling. I mean, you can't help it. Totally. I know. This inn is like empty. Yeah. Yelling. Yeah. <laughs> I found myself wondering like, We've heard Dean say that Lindsay wants this townhouse and in this conversation we hear she wants a car and I wonder how much she like wants those things because Mm -hmm. it seems to me like he's using that as an excuse to spend more time working so he doesn't have to spend time with her and um, because here she seems more worried about how like she's so bored and lonely it seems like that's what she needs from him like she needs help from him she needs company like she doesn't bring up like oh, yeah, I do really want the townhouse. I do really want the car. Um, so I don't know. Like, we never see her ask for those things. Mm-hmm. But I feel like definitely, even if she did, I feel like he has latched onto that as his, as his excuse to just, like, completely avoid putting anything into their relationship, which mm-hmm. is sad. Yeah. One other thing I forgot to mention this, in this scene is we find out that the zucchini crop is having issues. So. <laughs> That's something. Yeah. Uh, Dean and Lindsay are not the only people having issues. (laughs) Also the zucchini. Poor zucchinis. And Lorelai's having her own issues, I guess. Uh, Yeah. Which does lead me to a nomination I had in this scene. Mm -hmm. um, Is my Lorelai's closet. 
and it's for Lorelai's outfit here, but it's more so me complimenting the wardrobe department. I think they're trying to let us know how stressed Lorelai is by giving her a bad outfit. <laughs> oh, I didn't even notice. <laughs> In my opinion, it's a bad outfit. She's wearing like a white cotton like v-neck t-shirt and then has like this jean skirt on that mm-hmm. I just don't I don't like and it's not really like her like she seems a little dressed down you know yeah um like more casual but I she should wear jeans I don't know the cut of the skirt is just kind of weird um and so that was just my theory that huh. she's wearing an outfit I don't like because she <laughs> could barely sleep she probably picked it out in a haze you know yeah it's probably true I didn't even notice her outfit. I could just be harsh (laughs) about it, but I did. I just noticed it. I don't know. Uh, Oh, yeah. So our next scene is in Luke's truck, pretty much. He is listening to his tape, thinking, you know, and talking back to the dude as he's driving. I thought (laughs) this was very relatable. I also like to listen to podcasts and stuff when I'm driving, and I often have comments to add. (laughs) Oh, do um, you, like, actually say them out loud? Yes. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> but I was also a little bit surprised. Well, maybe not. I guess I was I was going to say I was a bit surprised his truck has a tape player. Mm. But it's probably from, like, the 80s or something. So I guess it makes sense that there's a tape player. But I don't know. Yeah. It just seemed odd. And then we get... Another scene of somebody running up to a car and tapping on the window, just like when Dean did that recently. People do that all the time in this town. I know, it's so and unsafe. Liz did that Liz did that to Lorelai when yeah, she was in Luke's truck too. Yeah. <laughs> but it is Liz and TJ, and they have some good news. A, they're back in town. B, they are getting married. And Yay. Luke seems to have really come around to TJ, like... Mm. He seems pretty supportive about it. He isn't being snarky or anything. Not really. Um, Mm -hmm. And TJ mentions there's going to be a bachelor party. Of course, Luke is invited. TJ does some straight face joking with Luke about Luke being (laughs) the best man, which Luke falls for. Uh, But TJ's sense of humor is just so funny to me. Mm -hmm. I love like when Liz says something that TJ has said before. She says they're grabbing life by the ping pongs, yeah. as TJ says. <laughs> uh, he's got all sorts of, like, TJ-isms. Mm-hmm. TJ-isms. That's good. Um, and then Luke asks Liz whether Jess is going to be coming. And Liz says that Jess has said he's busy, uh, which Luke is not satisfied with. Mm-mm. And we'll see where that leads in a couple of scenes. But I'm excited yeah. to have Liz and TJ back. They're so much fun. They need to be around Me too. more. Yeah. And like you said, I was glad that Luke here was so much more open to this. Mm-hmm. He was so much like he wasn't judgmental at all, pretty much. And I just felt like it was such a marked difference from the last time mm-hmm. he was with Liz and TJ. And like by the end of that episode, he seemed to have realized like his wrongs and he had come around and stuff. But that doesn't always mean like sometimes that growth happens. And then again, like he could have just been judgy in this episode, you know, like, but it actually stuck and he actually is kind to Liz and stuff and like joking that he'll wear a costume and all. 
um he like gripes like oh i hope you don't like need help from me and later we'll like learn he gets roped into it but like it's mostly all good and it just is so much happier to see Mm -hmm. and it's just like in general this is such a good luke episode like he's really turning a leaf um and yeah it's a delight you know yeah i wonder if any of his openness is also because of the the self-help book he's like Really opening that heart up wide, you know? <laughs> I think so, honestly. Like, I want to ask that same thing when he's, like, talking to Jess mm-hmm. in just a moment. Like, like how much of this wisdom, uh, you know, is coming from the book? And I think it, it is, you know. It could be impacting him. Yeah. Uh, such a good move for Luke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before Luke's visit to Jess, though, we have a scene back at Lorelai and Rory's. It is a Friday night without the Friday night dinner Mm -hmm. because Emily and Richard have canceled. Sadly, this is part of the storyline where they are separated. Lorelai and Rory know what's going on. Um, They also have their, like, Lorelai fills her in on the gossip about Mm -hmm. Dean and Lindsay. Rory pretends to hope they'll make up, (laughs) like, very clear. Yeah, Um, right. (laughs) Yeah. And then we, there is no Friday night dinner, but I have my Friday night dinner critique in this scene. Um, they've, it's like their classic movie setup. You know, they, I think they have like food from Al's. Rory brought, um, what cookie did she bring? It was something. Oh, I completely forgot. Nutter butters. I don't know. Like yeah. Rory brought a dessert. Lorelai has like thrown in some carrots because like she's like oh I'm afraid you're not eating well at school but it's the very classic like smorgasbord Mm -hmm. of food that is quote-unquote bad for you and they're about to feast and they're watching a movie as they're apt to do and this one is called fatso Mm -hmm. and like the only clip they play from it is a crowd that is just chanting fat like over and over again and had you heard of this movie before? No, but I did make it my Rory's bookshelf. So I okay. did a bit of research. Yeah. Do you want to share? Because I only sure. briefly like looked into it. Yeah. So this is an actual movie. It's from the mm-hmm. 1980s. And the uh, beginning premise sounds like something really terrible. It's a guy <laughs> who's overweight and he has a friend who's also overweight who dies at a young age and so then he's encouraged by his family to go on a diet like a super restrictive diet and then there's all this stuff about uh him like falling off the wagon quote unquote uh which is obviously going to happen when you're restricting yourself from Mm -hmm. necessary foods um and his family treats him terribly and everything But he also falls in love with a woman who is into him, like, regardless of his size. And he refuses to believe that she could be into him until towards the end of the movie, it sounds like they they finally get together. um, And the movie ends with, like, his family obviously is still super negative about his weight and trying to get him to do all this stuff to lose weight and everything. Um, but in the end, he marries this woman, they have kids, and the movie seems to end with a montage of family photos of them happy, and he is still the same size throughout. And so, like, it's got this... I, I'm, I'm probably never going to watch this movie because also <laughs> it sounds, like, triggering, but mm-hmm. it's got this, like, kind of uh, 
commentary almost on diet culture, it seems. Like, Mm -hmm. I could see Lorelai and Rory watching this as an actual let's make fun of fat people thing. Right. (laughs) But the end message seems to to be that uh, you can be happy uh, no matter what your size, and that's not what defines you, so... Yeah. Good ending message, but I don't trust Rory and Lorelai to pick that up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because I was like, I was, I made it my critique because I was so uncomfortable mm-hmm. watching the scene as it is in the show. And then when I was reading about the movie, I, like, yeah, with the plot, I was like, eh. But by the end of the synopsis, I was like, oh, that kind of takes a turn. And yeah. without watching a movie, it's so hard to know, like, mm-hmm. if they're in on it. Or if they're like not aware of what they're doing, if it seems to be a comedy, so that could go any number of directions. Like, mm-hmm. are they, you know, like what's the satire, all of that stuff. So I can't really say about the movie, but it's just like when you're thinking about um, how it's used in the show, it's like what yeah. role does this like reference or the scene play within this cl- play within the scene in the show? And it seems like it's just yet another they're like entertained mm-hmm. by fatness as they're sitting there eating the stuff that supposedly would make you fat but doesn't make them fat like yeah. I, I don't know it's just so yeah it's so unnecessary too is the thing like of all the pop culture references they could make like it doesn't even fit like thematically within the show like it could have been something about a single well I guess mm-hmm. this the movie is about like a single guy so maybe that's like why it fits but <laughs> whatever <don't> <laughs> at the end of the day it's just like it was just weird and gross and I was like mm, classic yeah. Gilmore Girls sadly <laughs> plus Lorelai like she had watched the first 10 minutes and then saved it to watch with Rory and it's like mm-hmm. you just know in those first 10 minutes was probably a whole bunch of like fat shaming and Lorelai found that yeah. hilarious and wanted to watch that with Rory yeah and in the scene like Lorelai is going on like oh you're so welcome like I watched like Mm -hmm. 20 movies and this is the one I picked for you it's so good and Rory's like oh thank you and she's like give mommy a kiss like on the cheek or whatever they're acting like it's this like glorious cinematic masterpiece (laughs) like I just can't get over the fact that Lorelai's best friend is Sookie who is a fat Mm -hmm. character and like yeah the show is so clearly fat phobic and like makes fun of fatness so much but then we're supposed Mm -hmm. to believe that Lorelai doesn't hold any of those like internalized fat phobic ideas about Sookie I just don't believe Mm -hmm. it I just don't buy it like there's no way those two things can coexist it's so yeah it's so strange and it's also strange the way like for the most part their storylines the characterization like the stuff that they write for Suki is pretty good mm-hmm. you know actually so like it doesn't seem like their fat phobia has like too much um entered the way that they write Suki so it's like how are the writers themselves also fragmenting that like compartmentalizing yeah. it um and then like for Melissa McCarthy to be like the by and far star like compared to all of the other yeah. actors now <laughs> Seriously. Like, i don't know there's like so many things yeah it's fascinating yeah a study on fat phobia that would be an interesting yeah. uh episode to like but it would require i think a lot of research yeah but anyways <laughs> 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, our next episode, we're in New York, we assume, at this... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was... I was not sure what to call this apartment, like whether it's like a co-op type place, because that is a bad name on co-ops, or just like Mm -hmm. a, it's like in the, I don't know, 50s or 60s or whatever, there'd be like men's dormitories or whatever that uh, like workers could go and sleep in if they couldn't afford a place or were just bachelors and didn't have a place to live or they were like in transient jobs. (laughs) and that's what this seems to be it's just like a a flat full of probably terrible smelling mattresses and sleeping bags and like dirty dirty young men Mm -hmm. (laughs) and this is where jess is living he is a messenger it sounds like um as his job but luke shows up and is uh trying to convince him to come to his mom's wedding and i think he gives a really good argument He's kind of like unnecessarily uh, mean to Jess in some instances. Once again, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But he gives a good argument saying that if Jess doesn't go, he'll regret it. Jess had said like, well, he'll just be there for the next wedding. And Luke Mm -hmm. thinks that TJ is different. But regardless, he's like, if you're not there and this is the last wedding that she has, you'll you'll regret it forever. Um, You'll regret that you weren't there to support your mom and all of that. And we don't really get an idea of whether it hits home for Jess yet because he runs out for work, but uh, we'll see that it does in a little bit. So I thought, yeah, it was Mm -hmm. just an interesting scene. It's interesting to see where Jess is ending up and like kind of his trajectory from uh, Stars Hollow to where we know he'll be later on. It's a, I think it's a Mm -hmm. cool trajectory. Like he goes, he goes through a lot, but ends up on top kind of I found it interesting that Luke characterized his like all of the decisions he's been making as like Mm self-destructive decisions because part of me was like are like are they you know like is he self-destructive or not because sure like he's clearly living in not the best situation like messenger is probably not his dream job but like the other side of the coin is like He's just trying to support himself, like, in his life, you know, trying to be independent. But I feel like so much of Luke is coming from, like, you could do better for yourself. Like, you're capable of so much more. And so you're, like, by choosing to not finish high school, all of this stuff, like, you're kind of just, like, setting yourself up for failure because you're afraid of failing, stuff like that. So I don't don't know. But, like, I also – I did want to mention Luke's last, like, point that he makes when he's not sure that his talk is working he says well you owe me so Mm -hmm. he kind of makes a a plea of like you owe me you know yeah and we'll see how that's important (laughs) so do you think Jess is like being self-destructive I I don't see this as self-destructive especially because of the situate like the circumstance he's in the self-destructive choices I would think of as that would be like 
turning to drugs or just any sort of things that he's clearly not doing. I just feel like he has ambitions that he hasn't told people about, which is totally fine. And because he hasn't told people about those ambitions, they see him as just like kind of drifting, but he's going, he's doing stuff like he, he has a job. He's living within his means, which is more than we can say for sometimes myself. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like he's, he's doing well in his stage of life to get to where he wants to be later. We just don't know where that is yet. So I don't know. Yeah. 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 And then also (laughs) I was wondering, um, it kind of, it doesn't, it's not really a question because we learn later, but as I was watching the scene, I was thinking like, well, why does Jess not want to go, you know? Mm -hmm. And part of me was thinking like, oh, can he not get off work? Like, that's a very real thing. Yeah, that's true. Um, Or does he not want to, does, yeah, does he not want to run into Rory was my other guess, which may or may not be right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, After this, though, we go back to Luke's for another really quick scene. Um. Luke is on the phone trying to track down stalks of wheat for the wedding. <laughs> and Sorry, those are bare-ass stalks <laughs> of wheat. <laughs> and he's having some trouble because that's not a normal request. Um, <laughs> but Lorelai comes in and Luke tells her about the wedding. Lorelai kind of acts like she should have known about it, like she missed something. But like Luke just learned about this. Maybe like the day yesterday. before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I don't think Liz and TJ are the type of people to send out invitations. They probably just have word of mouth invitations. <laughs> um, but yeah, Lorelai finds out about the wedding and then Jess appears and he says he's not paying for a hotel. So he's staying with Luke and he goes upstairs. So we mm-hmm. know that Luke got through to him and he must yeah, have been like Luke on the bus so right pleased. after. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, how do you get there so quick? Mm. I thought Luke got to New York and back really fast, too. <laughs> yeah, but also I never know the timeline of these episodes, so. That's fair. Could have been like two days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that it's two, yeah, a couple days or so, maybe. Um, But from here, from Stars Hollow, we move to Yale, and we witness a fairly disturbing little mm-hmm. moment here with Glenn who <laughs> we've been fairly fond of before but I can't say I'm too pleased with him in this moment he's trying to pick up a girl and it turns out that he's been spying on her so because she leaves her blinds open and Ugh. he's like well you shouldn't leave your blinds open if you don't want me to spy on you which is no very creepy <laughs> uh we're not a fan of that um but the the more important piece of news we get in this scene is um, a phone call where Rory learns that Paris is at the hospital. And this is kind of the second portion of the Paris and Asher storyline, as we'll see um, a bit later on in the mm-hmm. episode. Yeah, drama with Asher. Drama. <laughs> um, after this, we go back to Luke's and Jess is upstairs looking through Luke's stuff. And he um, is uh, about to start playing the tape to see what Luke is listening to. Luke obviously uh, gets a bit defensive and uh, tells Jess to go. I feel like there's something else in there that I'm 
completely missing about their conversation but they're talking about like dinner okay like, that's so why jess important. leaves he leaves for dinner so it's more like of a plot reason okay. for jess to leave you know good um mm-hmm. but right after jess leaves luke continues to listen to the tape which i think is interesting i would have given jess like 20 minutes to be out or something but he does lock yeah. the door he does yeah. I, I would also say luke should get a walkman <laughs> that would be a funny sight yeah that'd be easier <laughs> Um, but this is the big scene where the guy on the tape is saying, like, he had a friend who was self-sabotaging or whatever, and he asked his friend these questions, and it's like, uh, who do you want to tell, uh, talk to when something big happens in your life? Do you see her face? (laughs) Um, (laughs) and questions just like that, and you can see Luke it dawning on his face as this is all going through and we obviously know he's seeing Lorelai's face mm-hmm. but like I thought this was a great uh bit of acting just to see I yeah how Luke was like going from not really paying attention to all of a sudden being like wait wait there's a pattern here and then he mm-hmm. ends off being like whoa <laughs> it was great <laughs> whoa <laughs> I know I agree I gave this scene my gazebo moment. Nice. I love the epiphany. I love the dialogue of the self-tape. Mm-hmm. Like the do you see her face repetition is just really clever. And the way that you see the realization like dawn on Luke's face, I did think I agree was like a really bit, a really good bit of acting on Scott Patterson's part because it's all just communicated through the face. So mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty impressive. And it's just such an exciting epiphany because as viewers of a slow burn, you just spend all this time like being like, how dumb can you guys be? Like, so just finally to be like, oh, he understands is exciting. And um, I think like I still like it, even though it doesn't necessarily align with like everything else in their relationship. Mm-hmm. Like we did have a listener oh, write yeah. in a thought about the episode referring to the scene and they ask, um, the scene with Luke always seemed to contradict the horoscope scene in season five, episode three. Does Luke always know it's Lorelai or was it a revelation to him? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really good point because I would also like also point to moments in the earlier seasons yeah. where like, like it Sakeen seems Jackson's quite, date. yeah, like it seems quite clear that mm-hmm. Luke, you know, he was been on the brink of asking her out, like all of these other things. Um, But I think maybe I would say that, like, maybe recently throughout season four, he's just been, like, repressing it so much, Mm -hmm. like, viewing it as something, like, out of his, like, not out of his league, but just out of, like, it's like a fantasy to him. Like, he was like, it's just not going to happen at a certain point. And he just kind of, like, gave it up, tried to ignore it, that kind of thing. And now it's, like, a realization of, yeah maybe like oh now it's the right time now I have a chance like or just like a maybe I've been trying to hide from this but now I'm like I know like she is the one and I can't hide from that anymore Mm -hmm. that kind of thing yeah I totally agree I think yeah we've gotten a lot of scenes where we were like these are almost scenes like they're almost gonna kiss Mm -hmm. but yeah with all the Nicole stuff I wonder if he had just like decided that um when he got together with Nicole and everything that he just he was trying to move on from Lorelai 
And at this point, mm-hmm. he's like, wait, I never have and I never can. <laughs> or maybe he had, like, been kind of convincing himself it was just a crush. But this moment, he's like, wait, no, it's more than that. But, yeah, I I definitely see where this listener is coming from. And I think there is a lot of, like, we do know that he's been into her forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do like that he, like, kind of sees the magnitude of how much he's into her in this moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it might be about, like, the scope of his feelings. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, one thing to have a crush on someone versus, like, I feel like in this moment he's being, like, she's the one. Yeah. And that's, like, different. When you're, like, this person is for me, like, nobody else forever. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like that's kind of what he's thinking about here. Yeah. He's also maybe realizing it's worth jeopardizing their friendship over, finally. Maybe that's why he has held off for so long. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big moment, a good scene. Yeah, that's some good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, next, we go to the hospital, and I gave Rory my Lorelai's closet for her uh, interesting sweater vest. I just yeah. remember Argyle was such a thing uh, at this point. I had, like, Argyle socks. I really wanted wow. an Argyle sweater vest, but I couldn't. My mom would never get me one. <laughs> Someday I'll have an Argyle sweater vest, but... There you go. Yeah. Rory's choice of Argyle sweater vest is an interesting one. It's like most of it is kind of a puce green almost. (laughs) And then just like the front kind of almost like a bib panel just in the front. So it doesn't even like stretch around to the side at all is Argyle. And it's like a blue and then periwinkle blue Argyle pattern. And it's just some of the... Like, the strangest color combinations, and it's just, <laughs> it's very weird. Uh, but I, I I don't know. It, Argyle gets me, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Rory's, like, in the elevator, confused about where to find Paris. And then as the elevator, like, goes up and they arrive at the floor, you can hear Paris before we see her. And I was thinking about, like, when we see the hospital set when the doors open, I was like, hey, this looks exactly like the hospital that Richard was at yeah. when the Gilmers <laughs> went to visit. And B, Paris is actually making Emily look like a saint because yeah. <laughs> we were like, of course, we're talking about, oh, Emily, you know, just makes demands and she treats people badly and all of that stuff. But Paris like takes it to another mm-hmm. level purely from the volume standpoint like like just keep it down my god she's she's so mean to the poor like doctors and nurses uh it's totally uncalled for and she's also angry because like she's not asher's next of kin so she can't learn anything yeah she's just out of control um we find out like once rory pulls her away we find out kind of the the reason behind why she's freaking out so much. It's not just that Asher had to go to the hospital. He seems more or less like he's going to be okay. But it's that Paris is realizing that Asher is old, uh, which Rory's just like, yeah, duh. And then Paris asked something (laughs) really funny, which I gave my Jess ass attack. She's like talking about how she should be living her life being young again. She's like, I should be going to the discotheque. Do people still do that? (laughs) Yeah. Paris, people haven't done that since before you were born. (laughs) Or at least not called Uh it that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh. And she's also like, 
I should be rollicking. Yeah. <laughs> and Rory's like, I don't know if Asher ever rollicked. Like, he's British. It's true. <laughs> it was some good. Oh, my gosh. It was some good um, dialogue. But then I'm mm-hmm. also happy, like, that Paris is finally having this realization. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's just a very realistic, like, event to happen like Paris has been in this relationship with this older guy and she seems totally like awestruck by him and then this seems like the kind of thing that would make her question it finally Mm -hmm. where she's like he's old he was like looking at the ceiling like like he was looking at death or something (laughs) like that like and um I was also just confused by this because I didn't like remember this happening Mm -hmm. at all like I thought like Surely he can't be dead yet because I remember that <laughs> happening later on. So yeah. I was like, what is happening? I also like did not remember um, the Jess scene earlier oh. at all. Like there's a couple like holes in my memory in this episode. In fact, I don't remember Jess like being in Stars Hollow either. I'm kind of confused why like that whole storyline <laughs> is just missing from my brain. Um, but Luke yeah. and Lorelai stuff erased it, took it all over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and maybe the dean and rory thing oh, like yeah. part of Ooh. trying to just like repress that maybe other things accidentally were you know mm-hmm. lost with it <laughs> byproducts mm-hmm. um so after this short scene we'll come back to the hospital and get a bit more drama there but we go to the inn uh where lorelei's like fretting over pillows and stuff it's kind of like that point of being stressed and also a perfectionist where you are not satisfied with anything even though you've already mm-hmm. like chosen good options you just can't accept that anything's good. <laughs> yeah, and you're also like not strategizing properly, yeah, yeah. right? Like she's no kind priorities. of like embroidering these pillows or something like that and it's like you're not prioritizing like what do you need done before mm-hmm. the inn opens? Like the pillows will be fine. So she's just like needlessly yeah worrying because she's just beyond like being aware of that until later yeah they're all kind of delirious michelle Mm -hmm. says that laundry is spelled wrong and they go on a debate (laughs) he thinks it should be l-a-u-n-d-r-i-e and then they go on a debate about the u it's just like this kind of delirious conversation um and then uh suki mentions that jackson is sleeping with the zucchinis which, of course, they also have to have a conversation about, like, Lorelai's disbelief that this actually means literally that he's sleeping with the zucchinis. Mm-hmm. But it it does mean that he is sleeping yeah, with his zucchinis. Literally. <laughs> she just can't believe it. Yeah. Um, and that does lead to a, a very fun scene mm-hmm. that we have to wait a little bit for. This, like, this episode has a lot like happening yeah it's a busy one you know it's a busy one um because not only are we gonna like we're gonna go to the zucchini patch we're gonna go to the hospital again but before that (laughs) here's a new thing tj's bachelor party is also happening concurrently as if you need another thing but it is fun you know tj and the dad from Wizards of Waverly Place are there. <laughs> Did you? I think that was him. I've never watched Wizards like of Waverly Place, so I'm not surprised I didn't recognize him. But that totally, I'm going to check that. That makes sense. <laughs> I think it was him. Yeah. And Luke is there. TJ says, 
all I want to do these days is spoon your sister, which I thought was sweet, but also, you know, inappropriate to say to her brother, probably. They have a very fun conversation about how a lap is just an illusion. Yeah. The way TJ's mind works. (laughs) I like, I think I agree with him. Like, a lap is not actually a thing, it's not something concrete, you know, it's an idea. An idea, yeah. (laughs) And, um, Jess enters the scene at this point as they're talking about laps. And I also question that Jess was invited to a bachelor party mm-hmm. of the person who's like marrying his mom. It seems yeah. a little inappropriate to me, but I think they just needed him here in terms of plot yeah. and all um, so that there could be like conflict and stuff like that. But I do love that, you know, Luke is out of place here and he chooses to handle that by standing up so like he's like if there's no lap there's no lap dance whereas Jess is also out of place but he his choice is to read a book which I just found so relatable um I don't think I'm nearly as good as Jess at like reading in public though like Mm -hmm. I could get easily distracted in an environment like that but I appreciate like I admire his ability to just like read the book like that Mm -hmm. and just do his own thing (laughs) yeah yeah I wonder how much he's actually reading it and how much he's like just using it kind of as like a a shield (laughs) a shield totally because yeah I wouldn't I would not be able to absorb any words that I was reading so I'd have to go back and reread it all later yeah but I would definitely also like what kind of book do you read at a bachelor party (laughs) yeah that's a good question huh I didn't see the title of that book at all. Um, Me either, yeah. But, I mean, another reason why Jess is very attractive. He's reading Completely. a book at a strip club. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Um, then we go back to the hospital where Asher is revived and he's come out. He looks fine, <laughs> uh, young yeah. and springy. And yeah. Paris is super awkward. <laughs> um, but what's even more weird is that Rory is sitting out like waiting for them and a young woman probably about their same age comes up and is looking for Asher and Rory's like uh he'll be all yours in a second or something like that girlfriend (laughs) girlfriend yeah um implying that he thinks she thinks that this girl is another one of Asher's um girlfriends I don't know affairs yeah whatever you'd call it acolytes I don't know yeah (laughs) Um, but, uh, Paris and Asher, I guess this comes before the, the other girl scene, but Paris and Mm -hmm. Asher sit down and Asher seems to have overheard potentially what Paris had said about him being old, or maybe he just kind of, uh, surmised like from everything that happened, she's probably going to be feeling Mm -hmm. this way about me. And he kind of starts to give her an out. He's like, I've been thinking about going to Oxford and I don't want to leave you alone all the time. I can go by myself if that would make you more comfortable. And then she's like, well, uh, do you, do you want, do you want me to come? And he, he admits that he would rather, he would not want to be there with anybody else. Like he wants her to be there. He's still all in apparently, which is all Mm -hmm. Paris seems to need to hear. Uh, and she's kind of brought back from her fear of his looming death <laughs> um, and wants to still be with him. So I thought it was a very interesting conversation. And yeah. 
Yeah, I, I was know. watching it wondering at what point Paris changes her mind because yeah. she does go into it planning to break up with him and Asher is like offering her that out. So I, that's like actually something positive I would say about Asher mm-hmm. that I don't know if I've ever said anything good about him, but I will give him credit for like offering her a way out without like making her feel bad or something mm-hmm. like he kind of makes it convenient for her um but then she doesn't take that out and I feel like it's because one like when she, the second she like walks in that room I feel like she's a goner because he's no longer looking like yeah. death in the bed he's like standing up buttoning his shirt like for whatever despite however I'm not attracted to him Paris is so I feel like that's the first thing and then also like the way that he makes her feel special and mm-hmm. singled out, you know, like cl- he's like complimenting her. He calls her very unique, which is redundant. You don't need to say very <laughs> before unique, like it's implied. Um, <laughs> and, but he's also like, oh, I thought about all the places I'd want you to go. Mm-hmm. Like she feels, you know, special. Um, so I think that's also why she's a goner in that way. Cause like it, he's also like dissuading her of, the doubts that she's had where she has heard about like how he's a serial young dater you know yeah. like a new girl every year and yeah. he's basically being like you're the one though like yeah you're different uh, you're the one for me yeah you're different yeah. so I think that's why she changes her mind mm-hmm. um but I like that the show underscores by the end of the scene like you're saying when this young girl arrives like they still underscore how weird the relationship is which I appreciate because they have Rory mistake her as a girlfriend and we learn we learn this is not only <laughs> this is not Asher's daughter no. this is Asher's granddaughter uh. and she looks Rory and Paris's age I and I cannot stress <laughs> that is like it's probably pushing it but within the realm of like I just lost your sound oh I think it might have hit my mute button on oh accident. okay good <laughs> am I back okay um, I think, yeah, I muted myself when I was saying that's unacceptable and I like flung my hand and I think I hit the button. Um, yeah. <laughs> I I think that the him her being the granddaughter, I was trying to do the math in my head because Asher is 60. So uh-huh. for her to be about 20, like Rory in Paris, 19 or 20. I mean, it's plausible if he'd had a kid when he was 20 and then they also had a kid when they were 20, but it's still like... Mm. It's a tight turnaround. Uh, my parents. He's a pretty young grandfather. Yeah. 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 My parents are like 62 and their oldest grandkid is six. So it's quite a different. Mm. But anyways, I think that's probably not a not a, a point to, to uh, dwell on. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so we end the scene with Paris still going to Oxford with Asher. Rory excuses herself very awkwardly. <laughs> Almost like. It felt to me like she was, like, giving finger guns as she walked backwards. Uh (laughs) That kind of vibe. Pretty much. Yeah. From here, we go back to the bachelor party. And two girls are mud wrestling. And what I will say, I will say, like, if we're going to, like, objectify women for entertainment, Mm -hmm. we see pole dancing all the time. Like, at least mud wrestling, that's a bit different. You know? (laughs) You don't see that all the time. Um. It's a big production for the show, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but the the main fight is not the mud wrestling, but TJ and Jess. Um, TJ approaches Jess about the fact that Liz wants Jess to walk her down the aisle. 
Jess says, I don't want to do that. And they go back and forth about this. TJ knocks the book out of Jess's hands. Uh, he he does. He's the first thing, you know, mm-hmm. and then Jess pushes him. And then they break out into a fight that has to be separated by the security. And they take them all out. I, for one, think that if TJ and Jess have stuff they need to work out, they should have mud wrestled. Yeah, that would have been great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I Work it out, guys, you yeah. know? <laughs> I admit I, like, fully, I was watching this and taking notes, and the whole fight must have happened, like, as I was looking away. It was, like, in a blink of an <laughs> eye they were fighting. It was fast, yeah. And it felt out of character for TJ to do that. I thought Mm -hmm. he doesn't seem like a confrontational guy. If anything, I thought he would have said something like what he'd said to Luke earlier, just like, you're a dick. (laughs) Um, But to actually like physically knock his book out of his hand just seems like it didn't quite seem right to me. Yeah. And when Luke first met TJ, like they had a lot of conflict and never once did Mm -hmm. TJ like physically get involved yeah. with him so I think that is a good point and TJ seems to like he knows that Jess is young and kind of troubled I guess you could say like he's emotionally yeah. volatile and TJ seems to know that pretty well I, I don't know TJ just seems too cool and collected to have acted like that so I think they just put it in there so that yeah I don't know we could still think of Jess as like a problem child or something a bad know. boy yeah yeah or yeah. give Luke something to yell at him about later. I don't know. It was just yeah. weird. If anything, if they wanted to give that impression, they could have just had Jess start the fight. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it would be like, well, TJ. Or you could be like, well, TJ didn't know that the book would like. But as book readers, that's like yeah. throwing hands. You yeah. Know? You knocked my book out of my hand. Lost I'm going to throw some fists. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big He doesn't have a bookmark. <laughs> Yeah. Plus, as we just said, the book is like his shield. You knock it yeah. out, that's it. He's on the defense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. Um, but from here, we'll talk more about the fight in another in a a couple minutes. But from here, we go to my Stars Hollow moment for the episode. Where is me it? too? Nice. <laughs> where uh, Suki and Michelle and Lorelai show up to the zucchini patch where Jackson is sitting with like heaters around for the poor zucchinis he's planning to spend the night out there they all sit down because it's warmer down there which is weird because heat rises but anyways <laughs> um, don't worry about oh, it sorry got a cat interlude Ooh. um but they also during this talk about how they're each gonna give one thing up that they've kind of been obsessing over which i think was a very good decision Lorelai agrees My to heart. give up the pillows. Can you hear him purring? Oh, I can now. Oh, purr to the microphone. Okay, anyways. <laughs> Michelle agrees to give up uh asking for 10 references for each new hire, which is just Can you imagine? Crazy. Um, I don't think I have an, 10 people's phone numbers that I could give. Um, Suki <laughs> also agrees to drop two of the desserts from her what would have been eight dessert options. So now she just has six, which is plenty, as Lorelai says. Um, yeah. And then they all just kind of lay down, look at the stars, take a moment, and 
it's just like a quirky stars hollowy thing like nowhere else would you mm-hmm. see people laying down in a zucchini patch with heaters but yeah. it works <laughs> yeah it's definitely sweet and whimsical and like they'll wake up later on in the next scene um but i feel like s- sleep can be very symbolic right and mm-hmm. i think here it's also like like none of them have been able to sleep right and this is finally like they are they've like made changes in their mindset they're together like being in the moment it's kind of that community and it's like what they need and when they wake up they're like restored and new beginning and all that stuff um so I really like it yeah also I love zucchini it's one of my favorite vegetables it's so easy to prepare. It goes with almost everything. <laughs> yeah, zucchini is good. Oh, oh, and um, I did, I did mean to note that before I made a deal about like where does Jackson farm, and we talked about the zucchini patch, and it seems that well, may, maybe in a moment this is where we get the clue, but like it seems that the zucchini patch is like behind the inn. Yeah, which is weird. And that can't be where he's been farming, like, his whole time. So that's a bit unclear to me uh, on yeah. ter- in terms of the Stars Hollow map, but it's okay. Release the maps. <laughs> Release the maps. <laughs> uh, next, we go to Luke's, where Luke and Jess have gotten back from the bachelor party. And Luke is kind of... I don't know, he's kind of being mean to Jess again, but also in kind of a sassy way. Like, I kind of got the idea that he was a bit tickled by the fight. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But he's... he's Because he's like, I haven't been in a fight since, like, the yeah. sixth grade. Like, how is this my life? Yeah. <laughs> but he s- says that he's kind of accepted Jess for who he is. He's like, like uh, he's not going to pressure Jess to be something different which is a lot of talk from Luke, honestly. Uh, we'll see if he follows through. But he, it's also kind of him, like, it's almost like a response to what Jess had told him when he was there last time, wherein Jess had kind of blown up at him about Luke mm-hmm. being somebody who always wants to fix people and then gets disappointed when they don't do what he wants. <laughs> and Luke yeah. here is kind of admitting that he's going to, that Jess is, isn't what he necessarily wanted for Jess, but it is who he is, and he has to accept that. There's a lot of he's. Yeah, and he, like, also apologizes to him for dragging him down there, and, mm-hmm. like, he's like, yeah, if you really don't want to be here and you really don't like Liz, then you shouldn't be here, which is kind of also, I think, a reaction to, like, Jess have saying, like, you get involved in everyone's life. Like, you're always helping even if they don't ask you, and, like, it's all about you and what you think, and so... Yeah, he does apologize here. Uh, but the the conversation continues where Luke is like, well, yeah, you shouldn't be here if you hate Liz. And Jess says, I don't hate Liz. And Luke is like, well, you hate me then. And Jess is like, I don't hate you. In fact, I came here because it was important to you, which is actually kind of a pretty sweet yeah. admission. And it shows that the part where Luke said, well, you owe me that like actually did work on Jess and um he's there because of Luke and so then at this point Luke is like well then what can it be like why didn't you want to come and dun 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 (laughs) it's because of Rory as many things in the show (laughs) all about Rory um 
<laughs> and Luke is like, still? Like, really? And Jess lets him know that all he this said, time? Always. I know. He, like, <laughs> lets her know. I said I love her to her last time I saw her. And Luke is like, you just dropped the bomb and left. And I thought he was speaking for all of us <laughs> yeah. in that moment. He's like, what? And then Jess is like, well, the ball's in her court. And she could have contacted me. And here, like, this was almost my gazebo moment again because I just love the self-help tape bit. Here, Luke starts to give Jess some (laughs) advice based on the self-help book. And he is saying, like, straight-up facts, okay, though. He's talking about, like, you need to have open two-way communication and you need to – he's like, my friends Philip and Judy, they had a problem. Philip was expressing intimacy as a favor and it's not a favor it should be given freely and it's not a bargaining tool and you used love as a bargaining tool and you had expectations that were out of line from what you deserved and Jess is just like what the hell are you saying and you're also like you're the most dysfunctional person I know and Luke is like well I'm better now and I kind of believe him honestly yeah yeah because like it's the power of a good book and introspection Mm -hmm. you know like it's working. Yeah. He leaves the conversation by saying, stay tuned. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> He's really like the drama of it all. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was a great scene. Touching. Mm-hmm. They're both making progress. Even yeah. if Jess is, is still like, he still got a long ways to go. He's moving at his own yeah. pace. But he <laughs> admitted that he did something for somebody else. That's something. Yeah. <laughs> And that he said, I love you to Roy. Like, he actually told that to someone. Very vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. He's making progress. He's growing up. Mm -hmm. Her little Jess. It is just too bad, though, that, like, you learn that in the last few months, Jess is, like, maybe expected Rory to contact him or thought that she could or maybe would. And the whole time, she's just been getting more involved with Dean. Mm -hmm. Just makes my heart hurt. A little for Jess. Yeah, I agree. I still don't understand. Like of all the, yeah, of all the old flames to get yeah, back with. Exactly. Like, why Dean. not Jess? Yeah. yeah, and I don't know. Just we when uh, Jess and Rory broke up. Like when the season started, we were super confused that she didn't seem that upset about it. Like there were a couple yeah. mentions here and there, but that was pretty much it. So I don't know. Just I feel like they kind of. The writers kind of drop the ball and making it a two-way street thing and just bring yeah. back Jess for a couple episodes here and there, but don't like try and really think about the emotional consequences of it, you know? Yeah, it's certainly convenient. Mm-hmm. And like maybe they already had the idea of like going back with Dean. Maybe Jared Padalecki was more available. Yeah. It could be a lot of things. <sighs> yeah, weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. But after this, we go... To a very momentous morning that starts off with the group uh, waking up at the zucchini patch where they all slept the night and had the best sleep for a long time. They've been so stressed, but this was what they needed. Um, And then, as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we're following Luke at this, like the camera is behind Luke, so we're seeing his point of view. And he comes to the house, Lorelai kind of shows up straw and stuff in her hair (laughs) and then luke tells her that he's got this wedding come up coming up you know 
<laughs> so in my gazebo moment, he asks Lorelai to go to the wedding with him. And at first, it's like not entirely clear that it's a date. But I think by the end, Luke makes it clear. He's like, I'll come and pick you up. We'll walk together. And then he tells her she doesn't have to dress fruity, but she's going to dress a little bit fruity. It was just, I don't know, <laughs> touching. Finally, it's happening. Lorelai is just like super taken aback by it all but she's also Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like excited I don't know like she's she definitely didn't hesitate saying yes so yeah finally it's happening exciting (laughs) and as a result Luke is feeling confident feeling good he goes back home Jess is there watching tv and Luke picks up the tape and the books and he drops them in Jess's (laughs) lap and says I'm done with them. <laughs> and <laughs> Jess is just left like the scene ends with him looking at the books curiously. And uh, we're like, hmm, maybe this will change Jess's life too. Mm-hmm. We don't know. I would caution Luke thinking that reading one self-help book and filling out a workbook <laughs> may not be the only uh, introspection he needs, but it no. is progress. So that's... In fact, perfect. I don't know if he holds on to all of these lessons in the relationship with Lorelai. Such as two-way communication about, like, a child and all that. Yeah, no big deal. (laughs) We'll get there later. Yeah, I'm so excited. All the things are happening. We've got two episodes left, and it's all just going to... I don't know, these last, like, four or five episodes of this season have just been bangers, all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Banger after banger. Yeah. Yeah, we're on a roll. (laughs) So... Uh, So... Who was your MVP for this episode? My MVP was Luke. Me too. Uh, Yeah, he deserves it in this episode. He, you know, he went after what he wanted. He did the the whole self-reflection and everything. He got through to Jess. He supported his sister. Like, he just did everything this episode, and I'm proud of him. And Mm -hmm. he he is the reason he and Lorelai get together. So, yeah, that's... Yeah, that's just wonderful. Why did you pick him? Yeah, definitely for all of those reasons. And I just really enjoyed seeing the change in him and like being with his perspective in the episode because I think Luke as a character like can get pretty old Mm -hmm. after a while with me. Like I think he had the fun start in the early season with like he was kind of a bit more like almost political I don't know like he had fun rants he kind of like pushed back against the man like he seemed grumpy in a fun way and then it kind of just gets like oh Luke he's angry he's grumpy like it starts to get a little repetitive and so here it was just fun to see a different side of him and him going like opening a new book and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so literally I liked it yeah literally yeah Yeah, exciting stuff um also Mm -hmm. Just a warning to all of our listeners. We've got two episodes left in this season. We'll have our usual season recap episode. Then we've got a couple of fun episodes lined up for you guys. And then we'll be taking kind of a longer hiatus than usual between season four and five. But we'll have a couple of things to sprinkle in there. uh, Mm -hmm. While we're miss us too much. Yeah, while we're gone. We got some big stuff Mm -hmm. in our personal lives coming up. yeah but anyways we'll be back next week with yeah next episode talk Talk soon. soon
Thanks for listening to Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. Don't forget to rate and review us and share us with your friends. Join us on Instagram and TikTok at Talking Fast Podcast. And join the conversation by emailing us your thoughts, talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com.